Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Conversations with My Dog, with me, Marnie Jahangiri. Now, I'm so excited to speak with founder of Doga Alchemy, Reiki master and Doga instructor, all the way from Los Angeles, Steph Kang. As well as a Reiki master, Steph is also certified in the language of miracles, animal communication. She is a huge dog lover and believes in the power that Doga has to connect with your furry friend in the deepest way. Now, it is an honor to have Steph on the show today. Namapa, namaste, pamaste, Steph. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me on. Such an honor to be here with you and connect again. Oh my God, <laughs> do you remember? Precisely a year ago, <laughs> we connected through our yeah. International Doga Day campaign on Instagram. My God, what an experience that was. Um, do you remember yes. any do you remember <laughs> any of it <laughs> it seems like years ago it seems like a long time ago but um i mean even the year before we tried to organize but that was before the pandemic so it was more in each country doing their own thing in person now that everyone's more um open to virtual classes it just opened up more reach to get together. And last year was the first year we were able to just put it together on Instagram with teachers from you know all over the world, as well as participants from all over the world. <laughs> and we, we had the original Doga founder on the show, Susie Teitelman, who came up with the name Doga, which was just incredible. I mean... It was it was wild. It was wild. I think I think it went beyond twenty four hours. I think it went on and it restarted the next day because I feel like all the other teachers. I mean, one yoga teacher she just went on for five hours. <laughs> I think the lady from Brazil she just went on. She didn't stop. She did like a whole Iyengar class. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, and then all the prep before too. You know, we put that. You got that beautiful video edited to introduce and promote the event and I think that turned out really beautifully and it was just nice to connect with 
you know, so many different Doga teachers that you don't normally get to connect with. And just on the, on, because we are, we are covering International Doga Day on the podcast this year, even though it's been very last, I've managed to down, donate 5,000 pounds to a rescue charity um, who saved dogs from the Yulin Festival. So, so we are here at, on my part, I am running International Doga Day locally in London. And I was just wondering whether you had any ideas for yourself or how the situation is at your end in Los Angeles at the moment. Yeah. Um, as you know, even before the pandemic, LA, it's just really hard to find a, a space that allows dogs and gather and do yoga. So um, I think I'm going to stick more with the online and I'll probably do a Sunday either. I haven't decided whether I'm going to do a Zoom class or a just another Instagram live on the Doga Alchemy Instagram. Um, but I'm going to do it on Sunday the 20th instead of the 21st. Toby! Um. <laughs> but this is, um, it's amazing because I found you I don't even know how we found each other it must have been at least about seven years ago and I came to Los Angeles and we we missed each other then we were kind of supposed to meet or we met or uh, already online but we sort of kind of not met in person as yet and yet you have worked with Lisa Van yeah. Lisa Vanderpump you did uh dog day with Lisa Vanderpump and you've done loads of things with Dogo already they do a World Dog Day, yeah, at this park in West Hollywood annually, and it's a big annual event. So we did a pre-event doga class for um, two years in a row. They're very active in China to work against the Yulin Festival and just year-long year work of rescuing dogs and making sure that they come back to the West and get adopted. Absolutely. And is Lisa Vanderpump, is she continuing this year with Yulin? Is she still very proactive with this? They're very, yeah, active with Yulin. But I think they weren't able to get to China, but they have some people working, I think local uh, staff that works there, but they weren't able to, you know, work as actively but they do they're doing whatever they can with any restrictions that imposed and what sort of personality is lisa vanderpump is she, how would you describe her i actually never met her i only spoke to her i've only worked with her staff the person that organizes the events john but it's still a wonderful yeah. thing and the fact <laughs> it was very funny you know that you sort of started Doga quite a long time ago and then you went also in the dog rescue world as much as I used Doga to help other dogs so we kind of had a parallel yeah. weird vision but when did when did Doga come to you when did it hit you when did you know you were going to become a Doga teacher well um I was already I think we talked about and then I think first time we connected I think um we FaceTimed so we met virtually. So we talked about how we got into Doga and, you know, our love for Doga. And 
Um, I actually started becoming a yoga teacher around um, 2012. So I was already teaching yoga. And at that time, I had a cocker spaniel named Malak, which means um, angel in Arabic, king in, I think, Hebrew. And um, somehow I just, you know, like those happenstance. I found Susie's like home video on YouTube and um, I wasn't even searching for Doga, but somehow it just came into my feed <laughs> and I was from all the yoga searches I've been doing and I don't even know how I found it because I wasn't actively searching because I had no concept of the word Doga. So I just saw this video and she had a Cocker Spaniel, this black Cocker Spaniel. So it automatically... I got drawn to it and I'm like, oh, this is a great idea. And then I ordered her DVD teacher training online. And so I added it and we, you and I talked about it. I, I'm very adamant that you should at least be a 200 hours certified um, yoga teacher. Um, adding the dog element is just like, you know, prenatal yoga. It's like a sect of yoga. Um, so I think it's really important to have that foundation of yoga and the dogs, they live yoga and they enhance all the teachings of yoga and the philosophy of yoga. They live it. Yeah, they live it because we in yoga tradition, we have, <laughs> we have the yamas and niyamas. We have um, the ethical code of conduct, nonviolence, non-harm, truthfulness, stealing, contentment. And actually, dogs are very much like that. They don't have any bad bone in their bones, basically. And, uh, you know, a dog... No, and then they live in the present moment. And they're so spontaneous. The spontaneity is what I find is one of the things that you pick up at, at the end of your session. The, you know, the, they're the spontaneous, even licking in the face, you know, or humping or weeing or they don't care. And we, we hold on to so much stuff, right? And we're, we're apologetic for everything. We apologize constantly. And it's, I, how do you, what's your biggest challenge when running a doga session face-to-face -face in a group? The biggest challenge I think for me, the biggest challenge is finding a venue in LA that allows dogs. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's like the biggest, biggest challenge. Yeah, LA is not a very dog-friendly place. And yet I visualized a doga studio in Los Angeles. I really can see this in Los Angeles, yet there's a lot of restrictions in terms of health and safety, which the UK doesn't really have. Yeah. Yes, UK is much more dog friendly. Um, I've been doing more work with um, rescue organizations when I first started. So we were mentioning how we were paralleling our doga journey with um, kind of combining it with the rescue portion for dogs. Um, so my first public doga class was... Um, three hour of just like 10, 15 minute demo at a big rescue organization event that's run by NKLA, which is part of Best Friends. And that's called No Kill LA. And they do this annual, they do like a big walk and all these vendors set up booths at a big rescue festival. 
um, annually called Strut Your Mutts. <laughs> so Doga was part of that for years. And I started with them in 2014. It's incredible. That's just incredible. I mean, did you, do you find that this is a difficult one? So you are highly spiritual. You talk about energy. You talk about chakras. You mentioned that dogs have chakras and that they have energy places and all. How does LA respond to that kind of higher frequency work, spiritual work with dogs? Do they belittle it? Belittle it? Do they laugh? Do journalists ask you stupid questions like, do they think you're a joke? Or how is the response in terms of spirituality? When you actually get people to come to the Doga class, they're very open to the spirituality and actually they love that portion even more, you know, because it's LA. <laughs> and then there are a lot of like people in the yoga industry that even laugh at Doga, you know, because they think they kind of, compare doga to like beer yoga or, you know, <laughs> bringing elements that are not really traditional yoga. But but then goat yoga is very popular. Um, it become, becomes like a gimmick. And I think that's the one that I'm very aware of. I don't want to teach anything that is gimmicky or... Um, I also see a lot of fitness people just incorporating their dog and they'll hang them over their, you know, around their neck and then they're doing squats and things like that. So for me, when I'm teaching the doga, it's really safe that we do things that are very safe for the dog and it's about connection and really tuning in. So um, I always do gentle yoga, not like a really fast paced vinyasa. Um, when I'm teaching doga class and, you know, you don't force the dogs to do anything and there's ways to handle dogs to make sure that they are safe and you're listening to your dog's body and let them listen to their body and not force them to do anything that they don't feel comfortable or they don't feel good about. So it's constant connection and looking to make sure that they're happy with what you're introducing and then over time you can build up on it absolutely i totally i couldn't agree more because i started cutting out all the cool postures the the ones that look great where you place the dog on the hip the trichinosinus or balancing with your dog the reason why is is the person's not in the present moment and and then they get their instagram out and take a picture and and it totally goes off kelter and when that happens, I'm like, yeah, okay, so they're happy and they're smiling, but they're not connecting. So my job isn't done. My job is not done properly when people are not settled. And I found that using Kundalini yoga helps people to settle much faster using strong breath of fire, using a lot of kriyas, because they, they just simply can't hack it. And they just... By 20 minutes after Kabal Bhatti, they're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to go into child's pose. And I always find once you get them into child's pose, the humans, that's when the magic starts. You let them rest a little longer in a reclined pose and you suddenly they stop talking and commanding and chatting away and, and controlling. And it's like, even when I say to them, please listen to me, they don't listen until they've gone through that initial grounding 
sequence. Do you find that too, that there's like a, a whole process? Uh, I, I don't think I have because I just, start, I just stay very gentle the whole time. And I start with a very deep breathing. Like I take really long time with the setup, um, with just the breath. And then I also, you know, Daisy likes some of those things when you lift her or when you lift her up. Um, so on the days that she likes, I'll, I'll do a few just to show. And I always give an option. You can, you know, even if the dog's far away, I give them visualization to connect with the dog. And so I just focus on the connection part. So I don't find that. But I'm just saying I see a lot of Instagram posts. So I, I make sure, like, when I'm showing any, anything, I, I always say, like, you know, when you're lifting your dog, you don't pull from the paw. You always want to support from the joints. You know, those are like safe. So I, I really focus on the safety portion. Um, and I focus more on just stroking from top to bottom. And these are all the chakra points. You know, you were mentioning chakra from the crown all the way down. Their spine. So all the chakra points are there. So even if you just stroke from the top all the way down to the tail, you know, at, Anytime you have access to them as you're doing any pose, just doing a few strokes like that is enough. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's, you know, I, God, where do you think they're most sensitive? Where would you say you can, you know, influence them the most? Is there one specific chakra? I think for them, well, dogs have more than the seven chakras. They also have the chakras in the paws. The tail, that's how they communicate. They, that's how they show happiness, the sadness and all that. So to me, the tail part is the most important. It's also grounding. It's right next to the root chakra. So root chakra is right above, right before the tail at the base of their spine. And then the whole tail. So you can do like little circular movements on the tail. You, you always want to start with your hand, the base, you know, where the index and the thumb, that little pip, pivot here, and you slide it underneath at the base of the tail. And then you can just make circles. You can gently squeeze from the base all the way up. Make sure you're breathing. And also watch the face to make sure, you know, if they're reacting negatively or if they want to go away, you don't want to force them. But most of the times they like it. And another good point, pressure point is the ears. So you do the same oh, thing. Wow. The index and the thumb. And you support side from the base. And you can make a few circles. So you're basically cupping your hand. And they have a lot of uh, acupressure points in the ears, not just chakra points. And then again, gently squeeze. And the pressure is up to the dog all the way to the top. And again, if the dog, you know, kind of goes away and reacts negatively, that's when you stop. But most dogs, they'll lean into you. <laughs> and you can do one ear at a time as they're available. And this really calms them, the ear. Or you can do both at the same time. <laughs> Third eye is right between, you just tap. 
Yeah, she's like born to be doga, dogi, even though she's a rescue. <laughs> I noticed. Oh, it's brilliant. And she's a rescue from Perfect Pet Rescue right here in LA. <gasps> oh! She's beautiful. Everyone asks me what breed she is, and I actually did one of those DNA tests. <laughs> On a Black Friday, it was I got those kid on a Black Friday sale because <laughs> every Thanksgiving, pre-Thanksgiving in LA, we have big Black Friday sale online. <laughs> and she's twenty-five、um, percent poodle, twenty-five percent Chihuahua, which you don't, I don't see any Chihuahua in her, but that's a big portion. No, thirteen、um, percent Pekingese. And then there's thirty-seven person that's unidentifiable. What? And they just attribute、wow. to groups, breed groups. So she has、um, percentages of Asian group and Terrier group that make up thirty-seven percent of her. But she was she was born in L.A., right? She was born in L.A. They found her in Compton in the streets, all tangled up.、Oh. So initially, she was、oh. at the Carson shelter. And、uh, Perfect Pet Rescue—that's a high kill shelter. So Perfect Pet Rescue always goes there and rescues a lot of mostly little dogs, but a lot of other rescue organizations they also, you know, adopt. I mean, they also take a lot of big dogs too. But I'm in an apartment, so it's better for me to get little dog. And I used to volunteer with them. Before I go to LA, I've never met a dog that was bred. I actually. Find people have rescue dogs there. It's a big thing. Am I right? You see, like maybe half and half. There's, but it's more and more rescue each year. This is good to hear because here in the UK we had the. I don't know if you heard about the lockdown puppies. So a lot of people went out to buy a puppy, or not went out. They bought one online from a breeder that probably wasn't legit, and these lockdown puppies. Go for two and a half thousand pounds. That's like three thousand, four thousand U.S. dollars, and are now being returned, returned to shelters because these people can no longer look after them because they suddenly became busy because we're we opened up again. I I think this is just shocking. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or Zepbound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet. Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you like this podcast, then why not check out one of our other amazing Create podcasts? If you just want a good laugh, then check out The Weekly Roast. Listen. Listen, bitch. Oh, Listen, make, make, make an entrance. I'm a week off sugar. Bad, uh, I, will, I will fly <laughs> to the UK and I will cut you both off. <laughs> for the more cultured ones among you, join Laura Wright for music in my life. <laughs> yeah, yes. let's go. <laughs> I'm so glad no one can see me right now because I'm doing, I was doing some weird dance moves. <laughs> you head off and then, yeah. Prefer a deep chat? Connie's got you covered on How Are You, the well-being podcast. I just became a lot more productive and happier. And for me, like, that's just worth it. The Weekly Roast, Music in My Life, and How Are You? Just three more podcasts to feast your ears on. Find them wherever you found this podcast. Now you see so many people say, oh, I adopted a dog, I adopted a dog. But at least, you know, they adopted. But Well, it's not the case here. When you're adopting a dog, you're required to return it to the adoption, the same adoption organization, if you're going to give up your dog. You can't just give it to a shelter. I think this is amazing because we don't have that. We, I don't, th- I think, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, the rescue organizations, if you get uh, adopt a dog from a rescue organization in L.A., it's usually you sign that paper saying, if I can't look after, you know, be responsible for this dog, I will return it back to you. Absolutely. I just, it, it blows my mind, honestly, To We have so many shelters here. Where, you know, the U.K. is so famous for charities and especially dog charities. And everybody, well, there was a lot of people who did adopt as well but i'm just wondering how many have been returned and i would say as a shelter it's like you should say no i'm not taking the dog you need to look after your dog you need you really need to take full responsibility but you know they always i found that people uh with kids started getting puppies and i'm just wondering how you're going to do this with childcare and everything like that when you return back to work but anyway i'm not here to just point fingers i'm here to move forward and we have a lot to do because I'm quite shocked to say the least that I heard from Russian Dog Rescue who I interviewed last week that uh, the Yulin Dog Meat Festival is still going ahead despite COVID, despite Wuhan, despite everything and it's kept so under wraps. I cannot believe, I cannot believe that this is still going ahead. It's like almost um, out of defiance. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I mean, to me, it's just unbelievable that it's even going on in the first place. And that even after all that happened in the past year with the pandemic, that people are still not waking up. Um, But I think 
before they were even listed as a livestock. So they're not on that list anymore, right? Under the livestock. I think it's from province to province. Yeah, it's not official. I mean, it's not going to happen in Beijing, that's for sure. But uh, it, there's just so many provinces and so many slaughterhouses. I mean, I was really uh, shocked when I spoke to Russian Dog Rescue, uh, how they were saying how this is still going on each day, 365 days a year. There's slaughterhouses everywhere and it's still going. So it, it's kept very much under wraps. But um you know, the, the only way forward is to, to, to become popular with, with Doga and to raise awareness with something fun. And I mean, the West can only influence so much. But I know that 99% of the Chinese population are totally against eating dogs. So it's, it's, it just bogs me that either they cannot uh, change the law because they're in a, still a communist setup, uh, they're not allowed to. I think if you protest, you get go to jail. And they also were saying that the Chinese protesters and activists are really true heroes because they risk their family's reputation. They risk going to jail, literally, and they might not even be able to work again. Um, um, so I was very um, shocked about that. And I'm very curious to go to China one day and to actually see it for myself. So... But I, I think we need to really move forward. How do you see the future um, with your Doga business? I mean, do you want to grow in business? Where do you think Doga is going to go in terms of your work in Los Angeles? Well, I'm, I'm just going day by day at this point. And um, I'm just going to continue. Even when things open up, I'm just going to continue doing the Zoom classes every other Sunday mornings. And we just have a very intimate group um, of just gathering like-minded people. And anytime you do that, I we're just raising the frequency and strengthening the bond and connection with the dogs. And I think the more you participate in, in those type of act activities, it's also countering the suffering that's happening and in terms of like a bigger spiritual context, it's going to help the dogs in Yulin. You know, the more we participate. And it is important to bring awareness to what's going on. And I think they need a lot of international support and more people raising awareness. But I was also, I also learned that when you show too many pictures of like these dogs suffering on an energetic level, you're actually enhancing the suffering. So it's like kind of, kind of fine line. You want to bring awareness. And sometimes people need to see those shocking images to really get it, but you don't want to overdo it. So there has to be like a very sweet balance. And then if you do show those images, you also have to show the ones that survived and like got adopted and what how happy they are now. So in that same post, you could still show the suffering but also show a survival of the Yulin festival and the life that they're leading, you know, after they got rescued. Cause some of those dogs have been getting rescued and, you know, that's what Lisa Vanderpump's um, organization, the Vanderpump dogs they've been doing, you know, they even have a vet that goes over there and he really works hands-on actively rescuing these dogs from slaughterhouses year round. And then the big 
World Dog Day that they used to do in May would raise funds to support um, and bringing awareness to the Yulin Festival. And I think um, people don't understand that Yulin Festival is like a meat festival. It's hard to, you know, understand the extent and the cruelty. It's actually a dog meat festival with dogs in cages, right? Like chicken. I mean, that's even cruel to chicken. And I think the more you show the human eyes and show how smart they are and, you know, the most helpful part of this whole pandemic is that touch is so important for human in terms of, you know, health, your blood pressure, um, a lot of people get depressed and hugs are very important. And the fact that we have to do social distancing with most humans, um, if you don't have, a, I think that's a lot of people adopted dogs because thank God we're able to still, you know, touch our dogs and hug our dogs. And they've been such tremendous help. And they also feed off of our emotions and they're always there for us when we get emotional. Oh, you know, like you were saying how they just come and lick your face. They just intuitively know and they're very tuned in. Once you've connected with them as a family and become a pack, because they're very much of a social pack animals and they're so loyal and they give you unconditional love. Um, they've been such blessing. And the fact that we can use these technologies to connect through Zoom um, the challenging part with doing doga over Zoom is that Daisy really needs a person, like in-person audience. <laughs> and, she, and with this ring light, I think the light gets to be too much for her. So um, she hasn't been as participatory, but I don't force her. <laughs> but it's been, <laughs> it's been great because now I don't have to worry about the venue. <laughs> And people can just log on to wherever they are and we can connect with people from anywhere. It sounds like you had a really good connection on Zoom. Unlike me, I didn't feel it on Zoom other than a one-to-one. -one. I, I could only really focus on one-to-one. -one. And I sometimes feel like I'm giving so much and then... I'm like, where are they? Where are they? But it happened. And in the other day, I mean, the thing is, it's consistency, isn't it? From beginning, middle to end. It's just consistency and staying absolutely truthful in your path and in your mission. And if you feel it and you're 100%, people cannot imitate that. You are you. I'm Mahani. You're Steph. You know, we all have our own ways. And we. it's about, isn't it? It's really connecting with the divine for me personally. The dogs are just divine. So it's about light energy, isn't it? Lightness, which we need in this very difficult time. It's And that can go through pixels. It can go, because it's quantum physics. It can go through pixels. It can go face-to-face. -face. I like the face-to-face. -face. I'm face-to-face. -face. But what you're doing, Exactly the same power energy, isn't it? To, to like you said, and you actually changing vibrations, which have a ripple effect on the suffering of dogs in other countries. I mean, that's really 
law of attraction. This is like the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> and that's part of like the Reiki portion too, you know, that comes in. Because Reiki is very powerful via distance. The distant Reiki is very powerful. And dogs are also very receptive to Reiki. It's incredible. I had Reiki just over the pandemic. And I really, it knocked me out sideways, honestly. It was just amazing. I was like a baby, newborn. It is so powerful. And I mean, I, I, I use my hands with the dog, but I don't know if that's Reiki, what I do. But I just, I'm so overwhelmed. Um, the Reiki master, when she was working on me, what she saw and what came up for her as well. And, you know, your ans your ancestors show up and all sorts of things happen. Uh, but I, I, do you think that Doga will have the credibility in years to come? Will Doga be part of yoga? Do you, do you think it will get that reputation as a proper, you know, yoga practice? I think it's, like you said, you can't just like, sneak into someone's class, take one doga class and go start teaching. You know, I think that's unethical. <laughs> you can't just take one doga class and think you can just go and teach because there's so many layers to it. And you, you know, just like anything, you always have to be the student first. And it's always an ongoing study and learning. And again, if you don't have this basic yoga foundation, you shouldn't be teaching doga just because you saw a few movements from, you know, practicing from someone's class. So if that person goes and teach, then you're spreading like the wrong message. Then, then the doga becomes a joke. The way, you know, if we really approach it from this deep yogic philosophy, and as I always mention, the dogs are our teacher because, you know, if you watch them, whether you do doga or not, dogs automatically do down dog. As soon as you pick up a leash, when they know they're going to go for a walk, first thing they do is like a down dog and an up dog. Even the dogs that are in the Yulin Festival, they'll do that if they have the space. You don't have to be, you know, trained. That's their instinct. And the yogis, five, I always call yoga 5,000-year-old. It's like a technology science. And the yogis, they, they observed nature and came out with these postures so they can sit in cave and meditate longer without their body atrophying. So I think people lose that focus. So it's that connection. And the dogs taught us down dog. Mm -hmm. It's not about putting them in weird poses. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But some people still think I put the dog in a yoga pose. So, I mean, that's wishful thinking. <laughs> yeah. So as long as we send that message very clearly, um, I think the right people will find you. And that's why I don't even like to have a really big class. You know, I've taught very small classes. And I've also um, introduced dog to, to these um, run yoga event at the pier to like almost 200 people. Um, I think it was two years ago. Certain events just come to me 
and um, that one happened at the last minute. I thought I was gonna go teach Doga to like fifteen people for our dog food com- I mean, dog um, pet supply store, <laughs> and then they, the person that organized, didn't tell me. They actually arranged with this big uh, event that happens every summer at the Santa Monica Pier, where like hundred people, hundred like two hundred people run, and then they do yoga afterwards. And then they connect, they combine the event. So I didn't know I was going to teach Doga to like these people. And most of them didn't even have dog with them. <laughs> and like I was on the spot. I had to just teach a Doga. But what was amazing was that people were connecting to the people that actually came to the actual doga event that signed up for the doga event that also thought they were just coming to do doga with like 15 people (laughs) um and they got to just watch them do the doga and they gave a lot of options of doing poses without the dogs and then they were connecting to their neighbor's dog that was sitting next to them and they got to experience Doga indirectly. And some dog would run, you know, walk over to the other person that was just next to them. And they got to do bits of it. And everyone just really loved it. It sounds like International Doga Day. <laughs> That's what we want to achieve. And I think we need to focus. Hopefully 2022 will be the big one. Hopefully we can connect and make this bigger. Thanks for listening to Conversations with My Dog. Make sure to hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Conversations with My Dog to keep up to date with all of our latest news. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please, please leave us a review and a five star rating. It helps others to find us. And talking of spreading the news, please tell another person about the podcast and help us reach more people. We'll be back with another episode, same time, same place, next week. Nama Pa. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.